0: Or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So, if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, use my link right now: expressvpn.com/ringslore, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com/ringslore. expressvpn.com/ringslore to learn more. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. The show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. In today's episode, we are taking a further look at the corruption that Sauron brings to Numenor. This is the full extent Of everything that Sauron was doing. Taking the mind of the king and twisting it. And actually getting him to act in ways that are against his own self-interests through lies. And I try not to take these episodes and get too political. I, I try to draw some comparisons to the real world and those kinds of things. So if you hear in this description of the way... This corruption works through the government system and through the leadership and society. And you draw parallels on your own between what's written here and things that happen in our own world, even today. Well, I'm, I'm not going to deny that you're probably right. I will say that corrupt leaders have known for a very long time how to manage a population, how to keep people divided so that they never unite against them, how to sell them things through lies that are against their own self-interests, how to convince them that they're actually getting wealthier and stronger and happier while everyone consumes themselves in hatred and squalor become the norm this is what happens in Numenor this is a scenario detailed for us by a man who was born at the end of the 1800s who lived through two world wars and watched as post-colonial forces did these very same kinds of things to humanity and then the outcome of that. There is no doubt in my mind that Tolkien understood the way that corrupt governments manipulate populations. And he shows us here. He shows us the fruit of that. And maybe fruit isn't the right example because fruit comes from a tree and the tree has to be alive. He shows us the ashes of what remains. And the desperate things people do in order to save even the people that they seem to be pitted against when they don't realize that they're working against themselves. So if it sounds like I'm being political in this episode, and I've, I, I do a number of shows, and this kind of topic is not uncommon... Oftentimes, people who write are also students of history and they work real world scenarios into their work in order to make it feel more realistic. And I've had people write to write to me and comment and and review things and say, oh, I'm too liberal or I'm too conservative. I've gotten both. So if you are seeing glimpses of something you find political in this. Well, maybe that's there. Maybe that's in the writing. It's not my fault. (laughs) It was the author's intent. And there's a reason for that. So I just wanted to point that out. I can't wait to get into this. Let's go. If you recall from last week's episode, We detailed a very brave moment by Isildur when he goes to the tree and takes one of the last fruits off of this dying tree. And the importance of the tree and the history of it and the fact that Sauron at this point was corrupting the king into neglecting worship of the Valar. All of that was just the beginning of the corruption after the events of Isildur taking the fruit off of the tree, Sauron finally convinced ar to cut it down completely. In my mind, this is the final representation of how far this corrupting power of Sauron has gone in order to get the king to release the the final remains of everything that he had believed previously, or at least feared to let go of, even if he no longer believed in the Valar and, and was turning. This the the killing of the tree specifically is like the last straw on the camel's back. It represents Sauron's full control over Arfharazon and the government. The person who was leading. Numenor, at this point, is no longer our Pharazon. It is Sauron. If you're a fan of the movies, this is much like Wormtongue and Theoden. Theoden, at the point that we are introduced to him in the films, is no longer in his own mind. Wormtongue and Sauruman through Wormtongue, are absolutely controlling him by that point. This is very similar to that. Arvarazan is still making decisions, but he has been so fully corrupted and, and he's fully buying in to what Sauron is selling that basically Sauron is the one making the, the decisions at this point. So what did they do after they cut down the tree? Well, Sauron, quote, caused to be built upon the hill in the midst of the city of the Numenorians. Armenelos the Golden, a mighty temple. And it was in the form of a circle at the base, and there the walls were 50 feet in thickness, and the width of the base was 500 feet across the center. And the walls rose from the ground 500 feet, and they were crowned with a mighty dome. And that dome was roofed all with silver and rose glittering in the sun so that the light of it could be seen afar off. And you might think, okay, they built a temple where the tree used to be. That, I mean, that's not all bad, right? Like, temples are for worship, and this one seems to be reflecting light from the sun. That seems like a positive thing, right? The very next line says, But soon the light was darkened. And the silver became black, for there was an altar of fire in the midst of the temple. And in the topmost of the dome, there was a louver or louvet, I don't know how that's pronounced. It looks like a French word. It means kind of that uh, slanted roof with the slats so that the fire can go out through the vents. Whence there issued a great smoke. And the first fire upon the altar Sauron kindled with the hewn wood of Nimloth. Yeah, you, you heard that right. He built a temple, and as soon as the temple is built, he takes the trunk of the tree that he cut down, this tree that is representative of the Valar, of the light of Valinor, of the original two trees, and he burns it. This is the first thing to get burned. This is very similar to the Corruption of the Trees by Morgoth, and this is absolutely the same kind of story. You have this holy land that is set apart, and then you have the enemy brought to that land in chains, who then rises to power, gets his way back out of trouble, and then when people aren't expecting it, he burns down the very things that they prized the most. And specifically in this situation, they want him to do it. That's the difference. Melkor has to sneak to the trees and kill them while everyone else is at a festival. And then he sneaks away and does a bunch of other terrible things. Sauron learns from this. He has convinced these people that he has all the answers and that his decisions are the right ones. And so they celebrate The burning of the tree. Well, not all of them. There are still the faithful. They're still out there. This smoke goes up through this temple, covers the sky, creates clouds that linger for seven days until they slowly pass into the west. They're going to the west. I have a feeling somebody's going to notice that. Now, the burning of the tree was only the first thing to be burned at a temple. Traditionally, among many ancient peoples, there was the burning of offerings at temples. You would bring a tithe, a tenth of, say, your grain that you harvested, and you would burn it to the god that you worshipped in order to ensure another good harvest for the next year, that sort of thing. In this situation, they're burning the bodies. Of their victims and because they know that the faithful are not in favor of where society is going they start coming up with reasons to claim that these faithful individuals are working against the king they're rebels they don't openly say that they are arresting them imprisoning them and then burning them at the temple because their religious perspective is different they're calling them rebels and most of these accusations are false absolutely the faithful are not in favor of this and the faithful are not in favor of where the direction of the government is going and who is actually in control but they're not speaking out they're not rebelling but they're being called rebels and being put on trial for false accusations and then getting burned at the temple and among the people, things continue to get worse. It says here in the text, but for all this, death did not depart from the land. Rather, it came sooner and more often. The reason they were supposedly doing all of this is because Sauron convinced them to worship Morgoth in order to try to defeat death. And yet, death came sooner. It came more often. And... In many dreadful guises, Quote, for whereas aforetime men had grown slowly old and had laid them down in the end to sleep, when they were weary at last of the world, now madness and sickness assailed them, and yet they were afraid to die and go out into the dark, the realm of the Lord that they had taken, and they cursed themselves in their agony. And men took weapons in those days and slew one another for little cause, for they were become quick to anger. And Sauron, or those he had bound to himself, went about the land, setting man against man, so that the people murmured against the king and the lords, or against any that had aught that they had not. And the men of power took cruel revenge." Sauron is now working people into a frenzy. He's setting them against each other and even setting other people against the very king who he has control over because the chaos gives him power. Because if he keeps everybody infighting, they can't band against him. And you might be thinking, well, in the midst of all this, maybe things are getting worse, right? They seem like they are, so wouldn't people be noticing? Wouldn't Somebody wake up and go, Wait a minute, all the stuff we're doing is just making things worse. Maybe we should go back to the old ways. But for a time, they still continued to prosper in other ways. Quote If they were not increased in happiness, yet they grew more strong, and their rich men even richer. For with the aid and counsel of Sauron, they multiplied then possessions, and they devised engines, and they built ever greater ships, and they sailed now with power and armory to Middle-earth. Now remember, in the past, during the early years of Numenor, they would go to the shores of Middle-earth, and they would come as gift-givers, wise people who would share their guidance and wisdom among the men of Middle-earth and helped raise them up. And then eventually they became greedy and they decided that they would show up and they were better than all of these people. So they would become rulers and they would lord over the people of Middle-earth. But at this point, they're well beyond that. Quote, they no longer came as bringers of gifts. Nor even as rulers, but as fierce men of war. And they hunted the men of Middle-earth, and took their goods, and enslaved them. And many they slew cruelly upon their altars. And they built in their fortresses temples and great tombs in those days, and men feared them. And the memory of kindly kings of the ancient days faded from the world, and was darkened by many a tale of dread. All right, we got to take a quick break here in the middle to thank our patrons, to welcome our new patrons. I'm sorry I missed last week, everybody. COVID punched me in the face almost, well, I guess literally, sort of, if COVID had hands to punch with. Um, but yeah, I couldn't really talk. I was uh, very tired, sleeping most days. And so getting episodes out just didn't happen for most of the shows I do. So I apologize for missing the week. I'm feeling a lot better now. So that's good. Good news. And we've got two weeks of uh, new patrons and stuff to catch up with. So let's start welcoming everybody. We've got Maja R. Jack- uh, Jacqueline. I think it's just Jacqueline. Uh Saruman the Stinky. Nice. Uh, Brian S. Jordan R. Curtis E. John P. Tatiana N. uh, And Joshua Hill. Welcome to the Patreon, everybody. And shout outs to our VIP patrons as well. A.K. Music Lover, Anakin Skywalker. Uh, Austin C, Azel Razzle, Bo, Black Squirrel, Brad S, Brandy D, Chewbacca, David S, David M, Drupal, Esoteric Rage, Fulcrum, Gavin Olaf, Gemma D, Jesse P, Jordan Rhymes Katie S, Capenna, Larry, Michael E, Nick K, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Rivqua, Sambi, Swiggy Swoo, TJT, Tour Son of Whore, uh, Tyler M, Wes Patton, And uh, let the Juan out, that one always gets me. Um, Thank you so much for your support, and to all 188 of you, thank you for supporting this show on Patreon and making sure that we can keep going with this. If you are interested in joining the ranks of all of these people, and a whole bunch of other people, 188 of you, then go to patreon.com slash lord of the rings lorecast. It's actually L-O-T-R lorecast in the URL, so... Patreon.com, L-O-T-R, Lorecast. Also, we've got some new reviews to read out. If you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, I will read it out on a future episode. Uh, but I'm going to put those at the end of the episode because there's a bunch to get to, and I want to get to the rest of the story. So if you'd like to listen through those, you're welcome to. They'll be They'll be at the end. So thank you so much for all of your support. Let's move on with the rest of the story. So with all of this going on, ar is still reaping the benefit of it because he's basically doing what Sauron has wanted him to do. And he's grown very powerful. It says here, thus ar king of the land of the star, grew to the mightiest tyrant that had yet been in the world since the reign of Morgoth. At this point in history, he is the worst tyrant ever to have been aside from Morgoth. Let that sink in. And then the very next line says, Though in truth, Sauron ruled all from behind the throne. Reinforcing that he was a puppet. It was Sauron behind everything. Now the next piece of Sauron's plan gets put in motion. Remember the whole thing with ar feeling like it wasn't fair that the Valar would be over in Valinor, undying, this undying land, and the fear of death and all of that. Well, he turns it up to 11, and basically says that his strength is now so great that he can do anything he wants. Nobody, including the Valar, could even stop him. And remember, he thinks he beat Sauron. He thinks Sauron is under his control. He thinks he's bested a Maiar. So why not all the other forces, and especially the ones that are holding the keys to life and death from him? He says to ar the Valar have possessed themselves of the land where there is no death, and they lie to you concerning it, hiding it as best they may, because of their avarice and their fear, lest the kings of men should wrest from them the deathless realm and rule the world in their stead. This seed, which was planted a long time ago, among rulers well before our time, is growing. It's blossoming. This evil plant is blossoming in his mind. And then it says, And though doubtless the gift of life unending is not for all, but only for such that are worthy. He plays up his pride. And then he says, Our fair is on mightiest of the sons of earth, to whom manway alone can be compared, if even he. But great kings do not brook denials, and take What is their due? Might makes right. At least that's the thing that Sauron is selling him here. And he puffs him up so big that he convinces him that maybe he can turn his armies against the West and take that very thing, the land of the undying, the secret to immortality for himself. Now, you may also be wondering, isn't this why they're worshipping Morgoth? Isn't this why they're sacrificing people and the tree so that Morgoth might bestow this upon them? How come they're not satisfied with that? Well, clearly, that isn't working. And clearly, when people end up in these kinds of situations, they will do multiple things in order to try to achieve their goals, even if those things seem contrary to each other, because their minds are corrupted. Now, before all of this ends up in motion, there is another individual who we've mentioned before who becomes aware of what the king is planning to do. And we're not told how, but Amandil finds out that this is the end goal for our Farizan. His life is waning. He's hitting his old years. He knows that he will not be around that much longer. So he has to act sooner than later. And this is extremely disconcerting to Amandil and to the faithful, because they know what happens if you try to go to war with the Valar. It's not going to end well for mankind. So Amandil calls forth Elendil, his son, and he says to him, "'The days are dark, and there is no hope for men, "'for the faithful are few.'" Therefore, I am minded to try that counsel which our forefather Arendil took of old, to sail into the west, be there ban or no, and to speak to the Valar, even to Manway himself, if may be, and beseech his aid ere all is lost. Amandil is willing to sacrifice himself in an effort. To warn the Valar and to seek forgiveness for at least the faithful, if not all of humanity, and to help turn back this evil corruption. And Elendil debates this with him because this is not just an easy feat. Plus, they are going against the king. Elendil says, would you then betray the king for you know well the charge that they make against us? that we are traitors and spies, and that until this day, it has been false. Elendil knows that they, they haven't been traitors and spies, they've just been trying to do things a different way in order to save their people. Amadil responds with, If I thought that Manway needed such a messenger, I would betray the king. For there is but one loyalty from which no man can be absolved in heart for any cause but it is the mercy upon men and their deliverance from Sauron the deceiver that I would plead, since some at least have remained faithful. And as for the ban, I will suffer in myself the penalty, lest all my people should become guilty. This is a Christ-like figure. You see these in literature all the time. Somebody who's willing to take upon themselves the punishment in order to save the rest of their people, humanity, that sort of thing. It's always a noble thing. It always takes a, uh, the largest amount of courage and bravery you ever could gather for yourself in order to do this, because you know what the cost will be. But then Elendil thinks a little bit further ahead, and he says, But what think you, my father? is like to befall those of your house whom you leave behind when your deed becomes known like what happens if you go and do this and then people find out and we're not all saved from Sauron yet and the rest of the faithful have to be, be punished for this like that's not going to save everybody Amandel responds it must not become known I will prepare my going in secret. And then he explains to him his plan to leave with the common ships that go out of the harbor to the east and then travel when he's a good distance away and find his way north or south and then back to the west again so that nobody will know where he's going. And the second part of his plan to protect at least the faithful is for Elendil to gather up As many people as he can, put them on ships and have them ready, secretly, to leave if they need to. To abandon Numenor and find a new home somewhere else in the East. A secret plan for all the faithful to to get out of Dodge, to get out while they can, so they don't get punished for what Amandil is planning to do to have a safe place to go, and to, quote, share in your design, he says to his son. Elendil responds, and what shall that design be? To meddle not in the war, and to watch, answered Amundil. Until I return, I can say no more, but it is most like that you shall fly from the land of the star with no star to guide you, meaning I probably won't be sent into the sky like Erendil was i probably will be punished or stopped on my way there and then amandil said farewell to all his household as one that is about to die for he said it may well prove that you will see me never again and that i shall show you no such sign as arendil showed long ago but hold you ever in readiness For the end of the world that we have known is now at hand. Right, I hope you enjoyed the episode we have some reviews to go over and thank you again for leaving these reviews this one comes from where's freight <laughs> from the United States I don't know where freight is uh, great podcast this is a great podcast love listening to it it's very accurate to the lore I've read with one exception Qu- quick little uh, update here being that in episode 21 robot says that smog didn't have a soft underbelly this is true in the movies but not in the book you know what you watch the movies, you read the books and it all gets jumbled together. Thank you for that correction. Love the discussion, especially from the lesser known books, such as the middle earth as well. Great job robots. Oh, thank you so much. Where's freight. All right. This next one comes from Baca five, five, nine, who writes best podcast ever. Wow. I started listening right before Rings of Power came out and became addicted to the podcast. It gave me a push I needed to finally read The Silmarillion, a history of Middle-Earth books. Me and my son listen every week religiously. He's only six months old, so I'm not sure he understands, but he seems to like it. Thank you, Tom. Well, awesome, and hello to your son. Uh, (laughs) Maybe he'll appreciate it sometime in the future. I guess we'll see. Um, Then this one comes from Fohammer01, all of these from the U.S., L-O-T-R, nerd. I'm a huge fan. I grew up on the movies, always wanted to read the books, but the style of writing makes it difficult for me. I love this podcast. I've always wanted to know the Lord of the Rings lore, and your podcast is the perfect place to go for it. 10 out of 10. I recommend this to every person that I know who likes Lord of the Rings. Thank you for the amazing narrative and breaking everything down piece by piece. Much love and good vibes to you. Well, thank you so much, Fohammer. And then we have one more from Catnip28. This one's pretty long, but... Um, Thank you so much for taking the time to do this a sanctuary in the land of Mordor I've loved Middle-earth since my mom took me to see Lord of the Rings in theaters And we nerded out on all her old 1970s memorabilia I became a pseudo authority amongst my friends on Tolkien's lore because of how many times I watched all six Extended editions of Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit plus all of their behind-the-scenes videos. Although I read the Hobbit with ease I've tried many times to read Lord of the Rings, but have never made it to the end. Yeah, the writing changes It's kind of more like the end of the Hobbit even in the Hobbit the writing changes um Tolkien's words left me drowning, so to even attempt to read The Silmarillion was a defo heck no. (laughs) But Tom has made this history of Middle-earth so freaking accessible. He breaks it down into simple terms so that anyone could grasp the vastness of Tolkien's world. I no longer feel afraid or daunted to pick up The Silmarillion or look at the appendix in Lord of the Rings or Return of the King. I began Tom's podcast like a lot of listeners after watching rings of power and needed more understanding of the first Age, I was also neck deep in my graduate thesis and needed some kind of solace from my research. This podcast provided me a sanctuary form uh, from my research, a land of mortar with many trials and tribulations. Yet now that I've graduated, I cannot stop listening. Tom's love for Tolkien's world and words is infectious. I have more appreciation and understanding of Tolkien's words. Thanks to him. Tom loves, What he does and loves what he discusses which makes the listening all the more enjoyable if you love middle-earth Give Tom a try 11 out of 10 would recommend. Thank you so much so many kind things all of you have have said and shared and Absolutely makes my day every single time So thank you for taking the time to leave these reviews or to write me things uh, to join us on the discord and chat about stuff all of that stuff You guys are the best. Thank you so much. All right. I'm gonna let you go I will see you next week. And if you are a patron and you're one of the mid tier or higher patrons, then tune into the bonus episode. It's coming right up. All right, see you later. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, The Elder Scrolls Lorecast, The Witcher Lorecast, and more, at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes, or just search Robots Radio Discord, or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time.